Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Now we return for a moment to Elkanah and we do see that he's a godly man. Now this man that is Elkanah, this is 1 Samuel 1 and we have picked it up now at verse 3 after we hear about uh, the two women and that Hannah had no children. Now this man would go up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests to the Lord there. So the, this man now is a worshiper and he is going to go up to a site that's described in 1 Samuel 2.22 as the tent of meeting. But it's not in Jerusalem at this time. It is set up in a site called Shiloh. In Deuteronomy 16.16, it says, Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, or the Feast of Matzah, which is Passover, the Feast of Weeks, or Shavuot, which is Pentecost, and the Feast of Booze, or Sukkot, which is Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. We do not know which feast um, Elkanah was going up to, but he did this annually, and it's possible that it was Passover, because it seems like in Jewish tradition, as uh, time went by, if you could not make the other two feasts, and you had a choice to go once a year, you would make Passover that special time that you would go. Even Jesus' family visited Jerusalem at the Passover. What is this place called Shiloh? Shiloh was located about 15 miles north of Elkanah's town of Ramah. The modern site is called Kerbet Selun. It is situated about 20 miles north of Jerusalem. So you just take Jerusalem on your map, you go north and you're going to find Shiloh. Shiloh was destroyed in the 11th century BC and that is mentioned in Jeremiah 7, 12 through 14. God mentioned Shiloh in Psalm 78, 60 when he says, so that he abandoned the dwelling place at Shiloh, the tent which he pitched among men. And there's a few references in the book of Judges to Shiloh. Let's go there. Just remember, Judges is just a few pages behind 1 Samuel. It's the backdrop of the book. So let's see what Shiloh is, uh, what it says about Shiloh in, Josh, excuse me, in uh, Judges. Go to Judges 21. Excuse me, Judges 21. I said 18, but 21. 19. Judges 21, 19. So they said, Behold, there's a feast of the Lord from year to year in Shiloh, which is on the north side of Bethel. On the east side, Judges 21, 19, of the highway that goes up from Bethel to Shechem, on the south side of Labona. And they commanded the sons of Benjamin, saying, Go and lie in wait in the vineyards, and watch, Judges 21, 21, and behold, if the daughters of Shiloh come out to take part in the dances, then you shall come out of the vineyards, and each of you shall catch his wife from the daughters of Shiloh and go to the land of Benjamin. Uh, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel assembled themselves at Shiloh. This, is, this was the location of the tent of meeting. So it seems like what happened is this. In the days of Joshua, and I just read Joshua 18, verse 1, they set up the tent of meeting, which was a, 
uh, movable tent. Do you remember when uh, under Moses and then under Joshua, the tent could be moved to different locales? It was a temporary dwelling. They would set it up. And so they set it up at Shiloh. And there was an annual feast. You'll notice in Judges 21.21, it happened annually and it included dancing and festivals. And Israel did know how to celebrate. And their festivals were often to be times of joyous occasions. What were some of the festivals about? Go back to 1 Samuel 1. They were often about the harvest. And so when the harvest came in, what did you do? You celebrated. You had a party. People would, would dance and they would enjoy the, the fruits of their labor. The, the harvest had come in and it was a time of rejoicing. And when the day, this is 1 Samuel 1.4, came that Elkanah sacrificed, so he'd gone up to offer to the Lord. He would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters. Obviously, Penina has been a baby machine because she's got a big family and multiple children. Now, when they would offer sacrifices in Old Testament times and even in the New Testament, what they would do is once the sacrifice was offered, they would enjoy that sacrifice as a meal. So a portion would go to the Lord, a portion would go to the priests, and then they would, they would actually enjoy something like a barbecue. So they would, they would sacrifice to the Lord and then portions would be handed out. So obviously a large portion was given to Penina and then to Hannah, he would give a double portion, verse 5, for what's the Bible say? He loved Hannah, but the Lord had closed her womb. Now the author gives us an insight that Hannah's barrenness, her inability to bear children, is not an accident of nature. The Lord is responsible. The Lord has closed her womb. Now, a woman with a name like Grace, her name means grace, she would have to be thinking, now, why would the Lord close my womb? What would be the purpose of a season of barrenness in, in an area that is so important to a woman in Israel. Well, Elkanah, trying to express love to her and knowing that her heart was hurting, gave her a double portion. She certainly didn't need it. There was no one else to feed but her. Why the double portion? Well, because Elkanah was trying to compensate for her hurting heart. But the the Bible tells us what's going on. The Lord has closed her womb and her rival, however, would provoke her bitterly, to irritate her. Some of you are going to really highlight these words. Because the Lord had closed her womb. The NIV says, because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And one commentary says, renders it this way, her tormentor used to provoke her severely with the result that she would aggravate her, close quote. And so Panina took full advantage of the situation. And they would go year by year. They would go to this religious festival. They were going to honor the Lord for all the blessings that he had given. And Panina would do something like this. I don't even know why you're here, Hannah. What do you have the Lord to thank the Lord for? You're barren. There's no blessing on your life. Look at my family. She got 10 kids running around. You know what? Maybe like uh, Job's wife, just curse God and die. Thanks, honey. Right? I mean, and, and it says in verse 7, this happened year 
after a year. It seemed like she would turn up the heat at the actual time of the festival. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, it's called a temple in chapter 3, verse 3, Panina would provoke her, so she wept, and she said, don't even bother giving me any food, Elkanah. I'm not hungry. And she wept, and her heart was hurting, and she was getting abused by a woman whose name is supposed to be Pearl, but I told you it probably means pain. That's my own interpretation. Some of you have some people in your lives, it's not year after year, it's day after day. They're a thorn in your side. They may be a co-worker, and, and you, you, they may be even making fun of your faith. Oh yeah, what do you have to thank the Lord for? Look at you. Your life has, you have nothing good going for you. And you, you go up for this festival year after year to serve this God who gives you nothing. You can't even give your husband an heir. That's why I'm here, baby. I mean, can you feel the weight on Hannah? I don't know why my parents named me Grace. Because I'm experiencing anything but that. Can you relate? Ever been there as a believer? But Hannah did not give up. Now Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, husbands do this. Why are you crying? <laughs> husbands? All, all the men said, Amen. You don't want to admit it, do you? Why? <laughs> now, my wife has told me, and I have permission to share this, why she cries. She tells me she cries to purge. And all the ladies said, is that true? Am I accurate? All right, because I don't want to get any emails. She, she says it helps her purge. Now, I purge by hitting various types of balls. There's a little white one. I usually hit into water and sand. <laughs> There's a blue one I hit against the wall. It's called a racquetball. That's a guy thing. But I'll just give advice to you men who have women in your life or some of you younger men who are, you know, you're still charting that thing. <laughs> women in your life are going to cry. Now, I asked my wife, this is little free counseling. When you cry, what do you want me to do? Because usually I'm saying, who did it? Was it one of them? And then my fist begins to squeeze together. I'll fix it. I'll fix him. Right? <laughs> and then she tells me this. You don't have to fix it. Just hold me. Okay. I can do that. My shoulder's pretty big. And so I'm just supposed to hold her. It's free counseling. Okay? Just hold her. It's all right. You might even, after you've held her for a while, you might even pray for her and say, you know what? I got you, honey. We're in this together. You're going to make it. It's going to be okay. Now, some of you don't have a spouse to do that right now. Um, but maybe you have a friend. Maybe you have a, a, a pastor. Pastor Chris is usually always available. <laughs> Just kidding. And Elkanah, now, 
he says, why are you crying? He says, why don't you eat? Why is your heart sad? Now notice this last phrase. Am I not better than, <laughs> to you than ten sons? Aren't I enough, honey? I have more free counseling. Don't ever ask that question. Because you may not like the answer that you get. Aren't I enough, baby? <laughs> Don't ask that. And I think right after that, he probably said, okay, don't answer that. And then Hannah rose after eating and drinking in Shiloh. So kind of got it together. Now, Eli the priest was sitting on the seat. Uh, this is a position of honor, something like an elder at the gate, but he happens to be at the uh, tent of meeting in Shiloh. He's by the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. So notice it is called the temple, even though it appears to be a tent. And she greatly distressed prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. Uh, NIV puts it wonderfully. It says, in bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. Now, you know, if you're on the crying side, if, you, if your heart is heavy and you feel like, you know, things are barren and there's no grace in your life, what do you do as an individual? I mean, it's one thing to cry on the shoulder of a person, but... Elkanah can't fix Hannah's problem. This has obviously been going on for years. She's got this rival provoking her. She is barren. They cannot produce children. And it's gone on for quite some time. What do you do when your heart is heavy? What do you do when you're struggling? You're tired. Things are barren. You're provoked by an enemy constantly. Well, the good news is that Hannah prayed. She poured out her soul She was greatly distressed and she prayed and she wept bitterly. And I would imagine this went on for some time. Greatly distressed, she prayed. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast, how many? All your cares upon him because what? He cares for you. Sometimes I think when we go to the throne of God and it's called a throne of Hannah, it's a throne of what? Grace. What do we expect sometimes? We expect maybe, God, you must be tired of hearing this one. You must be tired of me praying about this. But he's not. Because he says, come to the throne of grace that you might find what? Help or mercy. Not, he's not wanting to beat you up over your struggles. He's saying, come and I'll give you stabilizing grace. So she comes. And she, her soul's bitter. She's obviously heavy of heart, and she made a vow. She said, O Lord of hosts, the phrase Lord of hosts means something like God of dominion over all. Sometimes he's described as the Lord of the angelic hosts or the the stars. Um, It has the idea of his dominion, his grandeur, his rule over everything. And she says in her desperation, if you will look on the affliction of your maidservant, I want you to see how many times she calls herself the servant of the Lord. And remember me, and not forget thy maidservant, but will give thy maidservant a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and a razor shall never come on his head. Lord, if you will look on my barrenness, if you will remember me with pity. Now remember, the backdrop of the story is who's responsible for her barrenness. God is. But see, God is about to do something through a desperate woman that she could not have imagined. 
Think of a rural Hannah living with Elkanah and maybe a child is born and now she has the desires of her heart, but she couldn't have known that the Lord was going to use Samuel not only to change Israel, but to change the world. And through this man to anoint David, who would then point to the greater David, whose name is Jesus Christ, the ultimate leader. God's answer for leadership is Jesus Christ. And he has caused this barrenness in this woman to drive her to the point that she will say, Lord, I will give you back. I will give the giver back what you have given to me. Please just bless me with this child. This is a pretty radical vow. I'll give him back to you. Just allow me to be the vehicle of your grace. And she makes, her prayer takes a form of a vow. Notice she's called a maidservant. In Luke 1, 37 and 38, the angel says, nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, I am the bondservant of the Lord. May it be done to me as you have said. And remember, Mary becomes the vehicle by which Jesus will be born. And her own uh, relative, Elizabeth, who was known as barren, is going to bear a child. And in many of the Old and New Testament stories, you find that just before God does a great work, an unexpected work, he does it in the life of a barren person, a barren woman. You begin to read about the patriarchs and you begin to see um, Abraham and Sarai and you go through the, the story of Isaac and then Jacob and you will see stories of barrenness that precede God pouring out a blessing that could not be contained. You might be in a season of barrenness, I don't know. I'm not making any promises or guarantees to you, but I am saying to you that sometimes in a season of barrenness, it gets your eyes back on the Lord and now you're ready to hear what He wants to do in your life. Amen? Amen. Now the seasons of barrenness are not fun. But sometimes what they do is they drive us to have a more receptive ear to the spirit of the living God. And we, then we say, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'll give it back to you. You own everything anyway. Just open my womb and I'll give you this child. That's exactly what God was looking for. Some scholars like to say that Hannah represents Israel. When the people heard that God cared about them, Exodus 4.31, that he was concerned about their slavery and their plight in Egypt and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed low and they worshipped. It's Exodus 4.31 has the idea that when Israel realized that God actually cared about what they were going through, it caused them to worship. And I'll just say this. God does care about what you're going through, even in seasons of barrenness, when you're wondering, is there any grace for me here? You know, they, I hear Christians are supposed to have grace, but I don't know. Even in the book of Judges, when... Um, Samson is about to be born. In Judges 13, it says, There was a certain man of Zorah of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren. She had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. Now therefore be careful not, uh, not to drink wine or strong drink, nor, nor eat uh, any unclean thing. For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, and the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And so Samson did. 
And Hannah begins to say, Lord, if you will give me a child, maybe she's recollecting the patriarchal stories, maybe she's recollecting the birth of Samson, but she's saying, if you will bless me, then I will give you this child back so you can use him to be, in some sense, a form of a deliverer. That you will use him as a leader in your kingdom. She's looking past, if you will, her immediate need to the bigger picture. Now it came about, verse 12, as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli was watching her mouth. I think maybe he was watching over the temple area to make sure everything was cool and done right, but we're going to see that Eli wasn't that great of a man. One writer said of Eli, he was a man who watched lips instead of perceiving hearts, close quote. And we're going to see that he wasn't a good father, and for that matter, he wasn't a good leader. His sons were desecrating the temple. He was doing nothing about it. And he, he watches this woman, and he's so used to all kinds of shenanigans going on there in the temple and right outside the temple that he says to Hannah, as she was speaking in her heart, only her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. So Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how long will you make yourself drunk? Put away your wine from you. Now, Hannah was praying where? In her heart. Let me just say something about prayer. You don't have to speak out loud for God to hear you. As a matter of fact, he knows what's on your heart before you even could get it out anyway. So you can pray to yourself and you can also pray out loud, but God hears. Why? Because as a Christian, God already lives inside of me. He knows the concerns of my heart. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman oppressed in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have, noticed I have poured out my soul before the Lord. She was giving God everything that was within her. The Bible says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. She's doing what 1 Peter 5, 7 and Philippians 4, 6 and 7 say. She's pouring out her heart. The psalmist said, As the deer pants for the water brooks, my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, Psalm 42, 4, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. And then he says, Why are you in, remember, despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed in me? Put your hope in God, for I again shall praise him for the help of his presence. Sometimes when your soul is troubled, there's only one way to look. It's been said when you're on your back, there's only one way to look. Right? And that's kind of where Hannah is. She's desperate. And she says in response to Eli's inquiry, do not consider your maidservant as a worthless woman. Now, his sons are called worthless in chapter 2, verse 12. They're worthless men. I don't know if there's a little... (laughs) I'm not like your kids, man. Okay? They were worthless men. As a matter of fact, some scholars believe this means don't consider me uh, a daughter of Belial. Another name for Satan, by the way. Don't consider me as some worthless person who doesn't honor God. I haven't come here drunk. I have spoken 
until now out of my great concern and provocation. Man, I'm here because I'm broken, I'm provoked, and I've poured out my soul to God. And Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. Now Samuel couldn't have known that him endorsing this petition would be his undoing because Samuel is going to take his place. This little boy who's going to rise in the the temple is actually going to become the leader of the nation. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. If you're going through a season of barrenness, and maybe you've been pouring your heart out before God like Hannah, be of good cheer. The Lord hears our prayers, and He, of course, does things according to His sovereign will, but God is good. And the book of 1 Samuel shows us that God is faithful even when His people are unfaithful. He is faithful. He is faithful to the end. And, of course, the book of 1 Samuel certainly does foreshadow the ultimate arrival of the greater David, Jesus Christ, who came to save us. He's our ultimate leader, and one day He will make everything that's wrong right again. And the most important thing is that we have him in our lives. And so that's the reminder of the book of 1 Samuel. It's going to be a wonderful journey together as we air the book of 1 Samuel. I would encourage you to join us for the ride. Tell a friend about Living Truth Radio. So glad that uh, you're part of the listening family here at Living Truth. And I do want to let you know that Living Truth uh, Radio is a listener-supported ministry. And it's largely supported by members of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. We're not a huge church, but we're a church that cares about reaching out. And we're here in the city of Corona. And if you'd like to join us for worship, we'd love to have you. We have two services at 9 and 11.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. You can find out more information and directions at livingtruthradio.org. If you'd like to support the radio ministry, and you can give or become a monthly partner with us in getting the truth out. We have radio stations that are asking us to come on. We have a lot of opportunities. And my prayer, folks, is that the Lord would provide the resources so that we we don't have to say no to any open doors because of a lack of resources. That's my prayer. Would you join me in that prayer for Living Truth Christian Fellowship and Living Truth Radio? And if you can be part of uh, what helps in terms of the resources, we'd appreciate it. You can give to the ministry at livingtruthradio.org. Let me tell you how to do that. There's a donate button when you get to the website. It's right under a picture of myself. Click on donate there. It'll take you to a PayPal. Just make sure that you indicate that your offering is for radio ministry. Much appreciated, folks. Keep us in prayer. Tell a friend about Living Truth Radio. And we'll catch you next time on the program. God bless you. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible. And we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. 
That's livingtruthcorona.org.